Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Basketball PH Podcast. Enjoy the show. What is up, mga paps? Hello, hello. This is your fantasy papi, Papi Roy, and welcome to Fantasy Basketball PH. So, we have another special episode for today. Actually, this is the third episode for our uh, position battle series. This is something that I thought of just this season. And unfortunately, probably next season, I'm going to tweak it up because we were spending around two hours with our international sports analyst friends since like uh, Cal McEwen and the, the PG um, discussion. And then uh, a, a day ago with Zach Hanshu, uh, and we almost had like two-hour time limit. Well, the, the, the good thing about it is they are having fun. So at least our Filipino ambience is, you know, it's kind of like reaching and creeping in in the international scene. So I'm super happy with that. And then, of course, we gain friends. We, we gain uh, everyone or someone that with that uh, tenureship and uh, those knowledge. And then, you know, we got to share our kind of like perspective, Filipino flavor. So I hope for this session, our special guest would also enjoy his day. But before that, let me first show you what we will discuss for today. So our uh, episode for today is going about us talking about small forwards with hoop balls alan sroki so uh without further ado let me pull him in the show how's it going <laughs> what's up bro hey how you doing roy thanks for having me on i love the uh the, the soundboard is in full effect this is gonna be fun i can tell already <laughs> thank you thank you bro so um uh first off uh before we really you know uh start uh uh hitting our engines uh, i would like to ask uh what's your fantasy basketball story i mean uh is this something that you've been doing since like a child or is it something that uh you know uh you just noticed that hey i'm kind of like good in uh, analyzing stats and then maybe this is something that i would i could do on, on the side note on the sideline or maybe uh something that i could pursue my career um, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, I I, uh, I got into playing fantasy basketball, um, you know, a few years after really getting into basketball in general as a kid. Like, um, and yeah, I think I first my first fantasy season was in two thousand nine when uh, you know Blake was uh, or two thousand ten when Blake was making his rookie debut that year. Uh, I remember being really excited about getting a team with him and Westbrook and Dwight Howard and Josh Smith. Um, I was. I must have been punting free throws or something back then, but it was, uh, you know, <laughs> it was a really fun time. And I mean, I've just always had a, an appreciation for the game and uh, a fascination with the league itself. And, you know, over the years, I've just played a lot. Uh, I felt that I was getting you know, better every year. And when I got, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of people uh, during the course of the pandemic, and luckily you know, I'm in a career where I do have some downtime uh sort of seasonally uh i had an opportunity i had some free time to sort of pursue uh some creative pursuits uh and uh hoop ball was 
one of the websites that I came across, uh, just li listening to some of their analysts and taking on some of their notes. And eventually I applied to be a blurb writer uh, with the site. Uh, and I've now been working with them for about three years now. Um, and I, I, I got to say, it's just been, you know, it's been a really enjoyable dynamic. I've met a ton of interesting people and I feel like I've learned a lot about uh, you know, fantasy basketball itself. And, you know, if it, you know, career pursuits, who knows? I, I, at the moment, I really just enjoyed just talking to different people about it. Uh, and I, I do love winning leagues. I will say that I do enjoy that, too. So, I mean, it's just it's a lot of fun for me. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun this offseason, uh, really digging in deep for uh, my mock draft season and getting prepared to just really crush a whole bunch of different leagues that we be a part of this year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully you are as well. Nice, nice. And um, uh, speaking of Jace Move, uh, shout out to uh, Poppy Dan Best Frisk because you know he's a Jace Move dude. We, he he went here a few uh, uh, episodes ago, and then he was telling me that that was his kind of like favorite player before Jace Move. Really? So, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that. We should. He and I need to talk about that a little bit more because uh, Josh Smith. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Atlanta Hawks fan. Um, so I I am a huge fantasy fan of Josh Smith and was a real life fan of his game as well. So that's interesting. I learned something new here. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And then a uh, quick question uh, for me. How about you? Who, who was your favorite, um, you know, uh, fantasy player all time, not named mm -hmm. Josh Smith? <laughs> well, I, it, I I think it was, I've already also mentioned his name, but uh, it was Russell Westbrook. Uh, he was just somebody, man, who like, you know, I'm also a huge like real life fan of, of, of Westbrook. He just like the tenacity that he plays with, and just how I mean, one of the most athletic athletes I've ever watched in any sport. Um, but in fantasy, man, I mean, he the you know I remember I, I got him, I drafted him in a keeper league, uh, like the, in the first year that we were all setting it up. Um, I got him in the fourth round that year. It was really before he kind of blew up to become the big MVP, like contender that he wound up becoming in Oklahoma and I'm just like this guy's amazing I, I, like you know like I was wa I was watching on TV I'm like this guy's amazing and now I have him you know just watching all the stats pour into this the triple double king uh you know there's it, it, he he's not that popular in like you know maybe uh in, in like industry circles these days uh but I still have a, spot, a soft spot for Westbrook and Depending on where I can get him in a draft, I may take him again, uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Given Yahoo's got him in like the top twenty or something, that's that's a little too much, probably. Yeah, that's taking away his value, right? Yeah. So we have a team Brody over here. Oh, yeah. Also, sp speaking of hoop ball, uh, I understand that you have a some promos right now. I think um, you'll also be dropping uh, brewskis. Uh, top players uh, as well. So if you yeah. wanted to follow Hoopball, just check out Hoopball.com. They also have a Twitter at Hoopball Fantasy, at Hoopball Tweets. And if you want to follow, and please do follow Alan Shroki uh, via at Alan Shroki. That's S-R-O-C-H-I. And his Alan is a single L. So let I'll just let you, you know, um, describe and, you know, tell something more about uh, the, the packages that you have at Hoopball. Yeah, so Hoopball's draft guide uh, is up and available on the site. The, the the team over there has a bunch of different payment plans. 
that that you could join in on because you know hoopball is really branched into doing they primarily focus on season-long fantasy but they also have dfs uh sports betting packages uh packages that include all three but the draft guide itself which uh, in years past i've gotten to work on a little bit with mike pasador over at the site he's the editor at large at hoopball he's really really good at what he does uh they they have some you know it, it is just really richly detailed like player breakdowns like up-to-date uh, depth charts articles coming out weekly uh from all hoopball analysts breaking down punt builds to uh sleeper picks uh but it is one of the, it's it's a really really strong product and like you mentioned uh the brewski 150 which is uh, the crown jewel of it all is going to be uh released I, i'm pretty sure in about eight days from this recording so you got about uh, at least the, they they release it i think in different stages but the first it will be first released to the public in about eight seven days so that's all coming on the horizon really soon i know it's a very exciting time for the site so you know just move on check out uh, hoop-ball.com it's hoop-ball uh just you know browse for yourself see if it's something that's for you um and if so by all means hop on board because we've been helping people win fantasy leagues i i've i can attest that you know the people who are putting that stuff in there, they absolutely know their stuff, probably more so than than most people you're aware of. These are the, you know, they work behind the scenes and they're very effective at it. Nice, nice. And also, if you want to really, uh, if you're new to fantasy, this stuff is for you. If you've been playing fantasy, maybe that's the time for you to really step up and try their tools because the uh, getting another perspective coming from this uh, fantasy analyst that has been in the industry for quite some time is going to give you uh, certain thoughts or send certain um, information or in uh, where when you're trying to draft and you have that moment that you really can't choose which one, uh, these uh, articles, these tools will definitely help you out. Uh, if you also follow uh, Fantasy and Day Today, uh, Dan Bestis's uh, podcast, they have like buckets there so you know you'll definitely have those options so again shout out to hoop ball okay now without further ado me and alan here is going in and check out which small forwards would alan pick between this name so first off on the list would you rather have playoff p paul george or jason tatum um so this is a tough one right off the bat man because yeah these are probably outside kevin durant these guys are going to be the two best small forwards to choose from this season and especially in the nine cat league i think that i'm gonna lean jason tatum he got large expectations for paul george this year uh i think that tatum has uh i just think that you tatum is got safer production in terms of he's just a more durable player and I might, I, I have like a sneak, I'm like really high on Tatum. I think that he could become an MVP candidate this season. Um, you know, he's at that age of his career where he, where he really can't ascend to another level. Uh, you know, we know that he battled COVID a lot last year uh, in the inconsistencies and injuries throughout those Celtics roster. So a healthy season in Boston, um, I, I think that he could be a very strong uh, fantasy player and perhaps an even stronger real life player. Nice, nice. I can't, I can't really argue with that. 
And then uh, something good about Tatum. Uh, this is gonna be different uh, depending on the league that you have, because some managers are quite you know uh, low to Tatum maybe because he missed a lot of time last year. So maybe they get soured for some reason. But that means you you get a lot of value if Tatum really you know uh, gets a pick around ten uh, ish uh, rank. But for me, uh, I'm I'm picking. Paul George here, just because of the opportunity that he has. Um, if you check out his kind of like MVP season uh, back in OKC when he was really playing like the as the main man, he really posted like almost a top five value during those times. So uh, I'm not expecting to for him to really get that, but at least we have some history that he can do that. Uh, I don't yeah. think um, there's someone that will take shots away from uh, Paul George. And uh, to also look back into Jason Tatum, I agree with Alan, but this is my hot take. I would pick Paul George here, and I would have picked Jalen Brown on the next round, just because Jalen Brown is someone that could kind of like mock how Jason Tatum does. Because if you check out their stats, uh, it's kind of like Jason Tatum is the better one. But if you check out Jalen Brown's stat, it's not far behind, right? So if you can get Jalen Brown on a value, it's like getting a smaller version of Tatum and then you have Paul George. So that's my take on that first, uh, you know, tandem. It's it's spicy. I mean, I, a lot of people are high on Jalen Brown this year. Like, uh, And look, I totally get it. Like the guy is, I mean, you just said you're drafting with Paul George. I mean, the Paul George comparisons that he's always been saddled with every single year, you see him get a little closer to that as a two-way player. Um so I, I mean, I, I, I think that, and you're completely right that the Paul George, like that was at the 2018-19 season in Oklahoma City, where he was about like a top three MVP candidate. I mean, there's totally reason to believe that he get close to that range again this season. I, I the, the, the a couple of things though that I would be curious about whether or not he it can, he can maintain that these all these years later is he had a really high steals rate that year i think he was close to leading the league in steals whereas this past season um they they, they were down a considerable amount from that that level and that was a large source of value i'm not sure if that's something that comes back or not i mean i i, I didn't watch enough clipper games to know for sure but typically that tends to be either uh, he he's operating a different role just uh, on both ends of the floor and that's just not a priority anymore or maybe he's lost a step in that regard maybe he's not trying for them as many as frequently so i'd be curious to see if his steals numbers gets closer to a league high level to you know just return to being a top five fantasy value and then the efficiency might be a little bit of a concern too since you know even in that season he had westbrook to play off of it wasn't it, you know teams had to make some difficult choices between those two in in, in Los Angeles this year, like you said, there's no one going to be taking But who's going to be threatening defenses around him between Reggie Jackson or Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris? I mean, these guys have some offensive game to them, but not nearly to the degree that, that Westbrook had that year or that Kawhi did last year. So will it be easier to hone in on Paul George in that regard? I mean, he can at this age and stage of his career, and he has had some injuries, you know, too piled on. Is he capable? Uh, will he be capable? maintaining decent efficiency when defenses are locked in on him. Those are my main questions about him. And I am high on his prospects this year. I do I'd like if I can get him at the turn of the first round, like my twelfth pick, I'm all I'm all in on that. Or thirteenth pick, I'm all in. But I feel like Tayton is just a safer bet 
with a first pick, which is kind of like the route that I like to go uh, with the top of the draft. Yeah, I would have take Tatum as well if I have a chance. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. just to like you know add in on Paul George, uh, something that I would be expecting uh, for him to do this season is to really up his free throw uh, free throws because. Uh, it's been down maybe because of uh, the touches that's getting uh, it's, it's that's Kawhi's getting. So it was down like almost a half. So his highest uh, free throws made the temp was around seven. I, I if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And last year's just under four. So um, I would expect that despite uh, getting lower efficiency, maybe those free throws made and free throws percentage goes up. So uh given that there's like a few um players that could really influence your free throw percentage so that's where uh Paul George's value could come in if that's part of your stat okay and speaking of free throw percentage and free throws made this next uh matchup is uh involves one of the best uh free throw influencers i'm not sure if he could do it this season though so we're talking about demar Derozan. And then the, he's going up against Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. And, uh, and another interesting combo. I mean, these guys finished close to each other in nine-category league rankings last year. Um, and I, I think given the, the unknowns with DeMar and his new situation and compared to uh, what I think is a pretty, uh, reason, it's pretty reasonable to know what we, what we can expect from Mikhail Bridges this year is his role as that starting small forward in Phoenix. He's the guy that I'd lean to if I had to choose between these guys. I think that Bridges, in fact, uh, had, you know, they were both top 40 players last year, DeRozan and, and Bridges. I think that DeRozan may be trending back a little bit now as a third option in Chicago, um, you know, maybe in a 60s, 70s range, whereas Bridges just, you know, I, I'm not, he could be adding elements to his game for all we know. He's still very young. Uh, he's one of the best nine cap players in fantasy basketball just with his combination of defensive stats see very low turnovers threes um you know it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibilities to see him maybe up his scoring average this year maybe uh maybe get a little more involved in, in, in rebounds uh and i just think that he he's just uh, again he's the safer guy to go with here uh because with DeRozan, in order to pass bridges this year i think that there has to be elements going on in Chicago that we may not be expecting, like, I don't know, like an injury to one of the high usage guys ahead of him. Um, so that's who I'd go with, I'd go with McCall there. Okay, so let me try to defend DeMar here. <laughs> um, <laughs> something that I, would entice me to really draft uh, DeMar over McCall Bridges is the area where they at uh, in terms of uh, at least Yahoo rankings. So in that yeah. area, uh, it's going to be hard for you to find someone that could provide assists, especially those out-of-position assists coming from a forward. So last season, uh, DeMar DeRozan was actually kind of like a, a his career high in terms of dimes, where he's almost seven assists because, you know, nothing's going <laughs> to... Uh, DeJounte Moore isn't like the fa- past first guard. So DeMar was uh, really doing the distribution. But if you go back uh, in his uh, heyday in the Toronto, this is last year, he was uh, giving out uh, around five, more than five assists. So with Lonzo Ball... Uh, here in uh, Chicago Bulls, I would assume he could at least average around four to five assists. So that's gonna be that's gonna definitely help you out. Plus, also um, in the early rounds up up, up to mid rounds, it's going to be hard for uh, GMs to really find that 
consistent score. Because while you go ahead uh, down the line in the drafts, you, there's like, you know, scoring is definitely going to dry unless otherwise you will heavily target Sexton after mid-rounds, uh, right? So with that said, there's where DeMar, DeMar's value come in because it's something that uh, isn't yet proven for Michael Bridges in terms of scoring. Though efficiency and peripheral stats, well, that's Mikal's game. If you're trying to really uh, win some... Uh, if your strategy is to be efficient and then someone who doesn't really hurt you, unless otherwise he does nothing, <laughs> you, you have to go Michael Bridges. But again, if I have to depend DeMar, that's my case. And yeah, you make a really strong point too. Like it, it, A lot of the times when, we, when, when we're trying to figure out... like putting guys on our rankings board and stuff. A lot of it's based off of like accumulation, you know, like in like a nine category league, Bridges has an edge because he is productive in more categories. But like you, it's all about the way that you're building your team in your draft. Like you said, DeRozan's a far better option for points and assists. And he does profile as a guy who will be areas in a later stage this year that you might, there might not be many players of his caliber left. Um, you know, he is in a situation where he has a, a more of a pass-first point guard in Lonzo, and both Levine and Vucevic are also quite capable passers in their own right in that. In that. But DeRozan, I think, will definitely still be a good facilitator for this team. Um, you know, he, he especially is a guy who doesn't space the floor. You could imagine, I can imagine there being uh, plenty of opportunities for him to be doing some kicking and driving to guys out in the corner. Uh, there'll, there'll be plenty of opportunities for him to sort of be... Uh, I, I could. I'm really interested to see what he can do because this is kind of a new spot for DeRozan, where every stage of his career, really for the last decade, he has been uh, either the top guy or the you know the second tier guy on that offense. And, and and now in Chicago, he has more options around him that are as capable as he as he is as he's ever seen. I mean, he could be the third option offensively on this team. And I mean, he's already a widely efficient player. What does that do for his efficiency now? I mean, if he's the third option most nights and defenses are not throwing their top perimeter defenders on him. I mean, do we see maybe there's a, an avenue that he becomes one of the more uh, efficient scoring guards in the league, like we saw with Drew Holiday last season in, in Milwaukee, flourished uh, through with his efficiency uh, being that third fiddle to Giannis in Middleton. So, um, it, 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 it's based off of format and builds. There's a big argument to make for either one. I'm a fan of Bridges just because I play a lot of nine category leagues, but that's a good point that you made about you know his upside in those categories. Yeah, and and I also read something. Uh, I forget where. Wherein uh, Chicago was actually willing to go all in this season to the point that they would uh, rather keep DeRozan and then let Vooch go. To just you know build a stronger core so maybe that's uh, something that we can use as angle on how chicago values the martyrs and so you know kind of like some optimistic uh, news that uh, i just read before okay next up we you've been a fan of Nicole bridges because of his efficiency as well as his um, peripheral stats right so let me hear your thoughts about these next two guys, Boyan yeah. Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey. How are their peripheral stats, brother? <laughs> well, the peripheral stats maybe leave a little bit, bit to be desired. <laughs> um, I, I, I am a fan of one of these guys, though. Um, <laughs> maybe not for the same reasons that I was a fan of Bridges, but between these these two, I, I, I'd probably lean Sadiq Bey uh, heading into his uh, second NBA season. 
slotted to be the full-time starter in Detroit alongside Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Jeremy Grant, and Isaiah Stewart. Um, I I think, like you said, these are these two are both uh, sort of specialists. Uh, you know, Bay is a three-point specialist with some, you know, potential to be a, a steals guy as well, whereas uh, Bogdanovich here is more of just a – uh, like another source, a strong source of points, probably past the first round with some decent percentages. Um, but I, I, I'm just going to defer to Bay. Uh, I liked his split stats as a starter last season. You know, he was averaging points per game uh, over uh, close to like two and a half threes, uh, about a, a little bit over a steal per game. Pretty helpful stats. Um, at, dep- again, depending on your build, uh, and he's also a low turnovers. Well, both of these guys are low turnovers guys uh, for a nine cat Ogori league. Um, but I don't know. I think that he just has more upside. Uh, I, I like that he is going to be surrounded by playmakers uh, for. I mean, hopefully, barring injury, most of the season, which is obviously going to be good for a spot up shooter like Bay, and he's capable of getting his shot off the dribble too. I mean, I think he's just a really interesting young prospect who has a full season ahead of him of having just better tools at his disposal. Um, and, you know, he probably doesn't crack the top 109 category leagues, but he could get close. It's not outside the realm of possibilities. So he's my guy here. Yeah. And I think Detroit is also planning him to be their kind of like three and D guy. So maybe yeah. this season, those defense numbers goes up, but again, um, during his college days, it's something that's, Quite decent, but we haven't seen that in last season, right? So uh, that's something to be optimistic to as well for Satipke. So on my end, why Boyan? That's also my question to myself. <laughs> why Boyan? But, <laughs> Sorry, um, I keep something... sticking you with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but something that I, would, that I like about Boyan. So last season, he was actually providing solid uh, influence in uh, free throws as well. So aside yes. for giving that a solid... Um, last round source of uh, points and snipes as well uh if you kind of like uh build an efficient lineup or maybe this is uh, a rot uh format maybe you can add some bog uh, boyan bogdanovich um as a part of your a few last picks to really help out to uh you know uh clear those uh negative peter percentage because um if ever he goes back to what he had before last season he was really averaging around four um, free throws made per game uh, with uh, 0.903 uh, percentage. So that's super high. That's going to really help you out clear if you drafted Gobert, if you drafted Capella, at least one uh, source of solid blocks and uh, rebounds. And then you wanted to really get all players with good percentages. So maybe Boyan Bogdanovich is for you. So that's something that I, I like about him. And also, he has at least like a teeny weeny opportunity as well, just in case Mike Conley really, you know, goes down. Because um, whenever Mike Conley goes down, what happens is Donovan ups his assist because he plays like that um, uh, uh, kind of like point guard role as well as Joe Ingles. And then it gives more scoring chores for Boyan Bognadovic. So it's something that, you know, kind of like helps his um, fantasy value as well. But I don't expect him to be that hard top 100 player too because you know in terms of nine cats he really doesn't provide anything else aside from those stats unless otherwise your league is like you know three stats only so <laughs> it's gonna really win you games there so that's my take for Boyan Bogdanovic 
Yeah, yeah, and, he, and like, he, he can't minimize that he does have a pretty strong impact in free throws, which is really hard to find for any guy. Like as far as like scarce uh, categories to improve on, it, free throw percentage is sneaky. Like the hardest one, the later you get in drafts, because it has to do with not only efficiency, but you gotta get to the line. You know, like at least four times a game or something like that to really like have a, a, an impact. And most players. Uh, that that get to that range, those are your high usage stars uh, to you know, le- like you know mid level usage role players. And typically at the end of your fantasy draft, those guys are all gone. Yeah. Um, but you know, so Bogdanovich definitely fills a niche there. And there's totally an argument to take him in that. Or, or both of these guys will be drafted around the same range, and you can make an argument one way or another if you uh, need a safer pick. Um, yeah, you know, there's an argument for Bogdanovich, especially if you need that boost in free throws. Yeah, and, and before we go to the next matchup, I was also thinking that uh, what would happen to Sadiq Bey in terms of distribution of points? Because majority of the value uh, that Sadiq Bey offers are points and snipes, right? I understand right. They, they have like uh, better playmakers now with Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes healthy. Uh, yeah. But um, I think I'm just trying to figure out how would the points distribution you know, uh, comes in. Because Jeremy needs the shot, Kate Cunningham needs the shot. Well, luckily for them, Killian Hayes doesn't kind of quite shoot a lot. But Killian Hayes can't make the shots at the moment. Uh, so <laughs> he's trying to make a shot. So, so if uh, Sadiq Bay's uh, percentage goes kind of like down, though it's not too bad, uh, then th- that uh, well, this is also similar to Boyan Bogdanovich. That really hinders this uh, both players' value because you know um, yeah. they, given that they don't offer like other peripheral stats, that's the reason why they're there uh, down the line. But if you're in a deep league, these uh, two guys is going to be, you know, uh, make a difference in your team as well. Because again, uh, in the later, later rounds, it's going to be hard to find those uh, uh, sources of points. And then uh, speaking of late rounds, these uh, next matchups are uh, more applicable to later rounds. Uh, sure I, I'm even not sure if uh, one of them is really someone that I would target uh, this season. But... Um, would you rather have Jake Crowder, who has been up and down? I remember last season they were like Cam Johnson and, and Jake Crowder are exchanging good weeks. So, so the first week, Jake Crowder is fantasy relevant. The next week, it's Cam Johnson. And then he's going up against Reggie Bullock, who was really solid last season with the New York Knicks and without anyone. I mean, anyone that was added to Dallas Mavericks. Are they expecting a lot from uh, Reggie Bullock? Yeah, so this is a t- this is an interesting one, and I feel like the differences that we're that you have between choosing these guys will have, you know, we we're talking about you know your nine category your category leagues versus points formats. This one to me is head to head versus roto leagues, depending on who you'd like to go with here, because like we like Jay Crowder is as inconsistent a guy as there is in the NBA. <laughs> uh, you know, I tried to roll with him for one of my head to head playoffs uh, last year, and. Um, I think he just – he had one of his six three-pointer games. I'm just like, all right, maybe he's got a couple more in him. Uh, he didn't. Uh, so <laughs> I I uh, I think I'm going to go with Reggie Bullock uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm noticing a trend, by the way. I keep taking the right side. Uh, <laughs> see, we'll see if that keeps going. But, um, yeah, like I, I think that Reggie is entering you – know, he did have a, a, an under-the-radar solid season with New York. He's not going to play as much in Dallas as he did with that Knicks team. But I do like uh, – I do like him as this three and D type next to Luka Doncic. I think that he's going to play a 
a similar role, but he's going to basically absorb a lot of the minutes that Josh Richardson played last year on his way out. And I think it's fair to assume that Tim Hardaway Jr., who they just resigned, is going to be their full-time starting shooting guard. But Reggie is a terrific spot-up shooter. He can get you some steals. He's an efficient player, very low turnover. And he's the exact kind of guy that you want to pair next to Luka Doncic, who is a usage machine, and he's the offensive engine. Uh, like he is the perfect kind of complement to a player like that. I, But, you know, I guess... The real reason, though, I'm just a little concerned with Jay Crowder, who is obviously important to this Phoenix Suns team. I mean, he's important to most contending teams, as we've seen in the past. Jay Crowder finds himself – he's all, he, he's like a poor man's Robert Horry in this generation. Yeah. Like, you know, He really finds himself in a ton of winning situations, and it's clear that there's some correlation there. He has a lot to do with it. So he's not going to lose any role this year in terms of playoff pursuit. But Cam Johnson is a guy – who could theoretically cut into his playing time. Um, you know, I, I, Cam Johnson has improved dramatically over two seasons. He's, uh, you know, he's exceeded expectations for a lot of guys. I was, you know, there was a stretch last year where I was really interested in Johnson because of just the, the he had a really interesting collection of threes and steals and boards off the bench. But then I, you know, and, and there was a point too where he jumped into the starting lineup. I think maybe Crowder was dealing with an injury or something. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, Cam Johnson, he's got to run into some new minutes here, maybe starters level. Maybe this guy could be a top 100 kind of player. And we kind of saw him taper off after that. The, the you know, There's a lot of players in the league where you give them higher minutes and they can kind of plateau. You know, like they, they, There's a sort of a point of diminishing returns. So the only way – so I'm not sure if Johnson's ready yet to take over the starting power forward role or just like starting power forward matter. But that threat uh, uh, that I think is one that you can't ignore it is enough for me to just say I can see a safer role for Reggie in the deeper league, I, especially if I'm in a head-to-head league. I, I'm definitely more like like Reggie is like the staple of consistency compared to Crowder. Like that was one of the calling cards with uh, with um, with Bullock last year. I mean, you could always expect two threes a game and maybe a steal uh, every other game. Like it was pretty consistent that way. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> tried and true. I'm gonna go with Reggie Bullock, uh, and just for all those reasons combined. Well, um, for me, the only reason <laughs> that I would defend Jake Crowder because yeah. I mean, Alan here really killed me in those uh angles, I'm... but <laughs> but the, the only reason I would uh draft um Crowder is if I also bet that this is the season or in CP3 is going to slow down. So the moment that CP3 slows down, then it gives more minutes to go around uh, all the starters or maybe positions. So if a crowder gets like a little bit more of like more five minutes on the floor, so that gives you like a couple of maybe at least half a steal more or a half or one three point more. So that's the only upside that I see. But in deeper leagues, sure, if you end up needing uh some steals, some uh, snipes. So maybe Jay Crowder is oh, oh, someone that definitely can help you out. But thing is, in deeper league, something that I could really suggest is around those uh, rounds uh, where Jay Crowder and Red Bullock is actually uh, available, I would rather have upside guys compared to these guys. Yeah, they could really provide consistency, but um, you know their ceiling is uh, isn't really high enough to really uh, kind of like help you win games. And speaking of upside, let me see your take 
between one of my boys, Pokey, Alex Edge Pokosevsky yeah. versus good old Aaron Gordon. Man, this one's tough. Um, Pokosevsky is, you know, I don't even really know where to begin with that guy. He is uh, a very unique player. He is someone that I'm very interested in, as I'm sure a lot of people who are plugged into Poku uh, and the Thunder and just like me, like just the the unique kind of player that he is. I'd love to see what he looks like in year two. You know, training camp in the NBA starts in about a week from today. Uh, I'd love I'd love to hear a report that you're like, oh yeah, Poku came in and he added like 80 pounds in the offseason. Like you know, he's ready to go and like play. <laughs> You know, he's ready to like start pushing guys around in the post. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. But this guy, this point forward type, an, a rebuilding Oklahoma City Thunder offense that is incentivized to be bad uh, and willing to give a guy with this kind of upside opportunity to flash it. He's probably the guy I'm going to go with here, regardless of format. I, I switched up with you. I'm on the left side now. <laughs> Mostly, Wait, switch up when I'm about to choose my dude. But sorry, yeah, go so, ahead. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll I will say this about Aaron Gordon though, um, who is got a pretty, especially in, you know in expert circles, most people are like, don't even touch Aaron Gordon with a six foot pole. Like in a category league, this guy, his name recognition far outseeds like his fantasy value these days. I mean, and he's kind of had a dramatic drop off as a productive in terms of like the way that he produces from Orlando to Denver, you know, like in Orlando, he, they experimented with him being like this scoring uh, three to this small ball four who can like really, uh, who, who's also this like commanding a large amount of usage next to uh, Vucevic. But in Denver, he offense is just not a part of his game at all. You know, he's a, he's a connector on that end of the floor where he makes the extra pass for Jokic or, 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 you know, it, plays a two-man game with Michael Porter Jr. Um, it, you know, he, he's a defensive specialist who doesn't necessarily give you a lot of steals and blocks. The percentages are, are, are kind of wacky. And it was a small sample size, but in those 14 games at the end of the last year where Jamal Murray went down, we still didn't really see him step up on offense. You know, that went, to more, that went more to Monte Morris and Compazzo. Uh, I think there's an, a reasonable expectation that Will Barton, should he stay healthy, well, you know, he could be this team's third option offensively uh, pretty easily before Gordon. Um, I, if you're in a points format, there's some avenue, I think, for Gordon to get you to the top 100 level this year if he does maybe in a full offseason with Denver take on some offensive uh, additional offensive responsibilities. But in a categories league, he's not someone. There's just so many holes in so many areas that just he doesn't get it done in that I'd rather take the upside play in Poku, who I – to be honest, I mean, like you go, like he's your, like you, you defend Poku for me because I'm not a well enough. I just, I'm going pure upside with that pick. I'm not sure what to expect from him this season, though. Yeah, I expect him to really average at least uh, one block, two snipes per game, and then maybe at least more than 10. And then I'm super happy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, then in like, that case, I'll take him over like, like, all those four guys we just talked about, like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, especially if he if he's dishing too with those assists, like you know, that's another interesting element of this game. Yeah, because um, he really plays like a guard on a big man's body, but 
unfortunately it's Sean Bradley's body, so it's not like a buff big man. But you know, uh, thing about him, he he plays like a shooting guard uh, with a center body. So expect more snipes, expect uh, more points. Uh, he also defends well, so uh, I do expect uh, that at least point nine blocks uh, for this season. Um, like what you've said, I would assume they would uh, let him play his game because his backstory was something that I really uh, remember so well because Dallas were, was about to really draft Pokosevsky and then they really obviously did uh, tried all of their best to really get Pokosevsky ahead of the Dallas Mavericks because during that uh, point uh, in time uh, in the draft, Dallas was really sure to get Pokosevsky. So um, with that said, uh, given that specific interest to them and then on how they handled Pokosevsky last season, I am also optimistic that they'll, uh, his, to be honest, uh, he should be ahead of Baisley in terms of uh, them agree. developing uh, their young forwards. Uh, I think Pokosevsky has more upside than Baisley. Uh, on the other hand, Aaron Gordon, yeah, I, I definitely agree on the take uh, on what he did. Um, back in Orlando, where he kind of like also played a point forward uh, role, and he upped his uh, assist for quite some time. But um, given that Jokic is already in the Denver Nuggets, the only thing that would help uh, Aaron Gordon's fantasy value is if he plays that Gary Harris role, and he'll definitely have more or greater percentages in terms of being that guy who up every time uh, where Jokic can love you. So that's the only thing that I think he could improve on this season. Because looking at it, um, Gary Harris role in the um, Denver Nuggets as that solid actor um, wasn't really replaced. And uh, the, I, I, I really saw last season that with Jamal Murray down, and then there's no Gary Harris who really uh, is uh, creating uh, a sneaky play every time Jokic has the ball. There was like, some uh, issues in terms of the rotation of the ball. Uh, uh, like uh, the first season or in MPJ gets a lot of minutes with Jokic. So with that in the shelf, they had a solid system last season. I would assume that they already figured that out, making Aaron Gordon a good receiver from uh, no Jokic. Would that impact his fantasy value? Not much for sure, <laughs> just up his uh, point for a couple of things. But uh, like what you said, if ever he really plays and translates those good defense into statistical um, points like kills and blocks, then maybe that's the time he could have more value. But I don't know, uh, Aaron Gordon has been uh, loved and hated by the, the, the mass and fantasy value, uh, despite providing a male hat, we've been drafting before uh they've been drafting Aaron Gordon high before, right? And then we, we kind of like change his game and uh people are now uh scoured <laughs> for Aaron Gordon. So let's see what's gonna happen. Uh people are uh GMs right now are really getting sneakier than uh the past few years maybe because football is really helping them out <laughs> well i mean you know it, it, the, some good and uh, good and a bad with that because you know there's just only it, you know great if that's the case but it does make our jobs a little harder doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um for the next matchups uh this is i don't know how you find this matchup mpj versus lbj Ooh, this is a tough one and, it, and this one is 
super dependent on your on your format exclusively. So I will give you two answers. If you're in a category league, categories league of any kind, uh, Porter's your guy. If you're in a points league, it's probably still going to be LeBron, even it, with Westbrook in town, even with the concerns of just having some injuries the older that it gets. But I'm going to go with Porter Jr. Um, uh, he's got a lot of hype around him uh, heading into this season. Uh, in fact, like Yahoo just yesterday updated their draft rankings, and they placed Porter into – I think he's now ranked 22 on their expert rank boards. And that's – that's kind of uh, pushing it in terms of like where you can expect his value to reasonably go this season. I mean, he was going getting drafted in like the early thirties range and I was pretty high on him in that spot. Um, you know, he's, he, he's, he's just such a re such a fantastic scorer, man. I mean, such it is pure, like I'm not, but don't get me wrong here. He's no stretch of the imagined Kevin Durant, but in terms of his size and touch, and just like how silky that release is, there are he reminds me a lot of Durant and just the, his ability to get his shot up against any defender. He he's just got this incredible shooting touch that, I mean, he talk about just the perfect complement to a guy like Nikola Jokic. And now he's coming into a full season where he is the clear cut second option on this team offensively. I mean, it's a, a, a small sample size last year of those fourteen games without Murray towards the end of the year showed a guy who could be, you know, he could have stretches where he is playing at a first-round pace. He did then. You know, he was incredibly efficient, high-scoring numbers, big three-pointers. He was, uh, you know, strong on the boards. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't get he doesn't help you all that much with assists or steals, but he can really produce for you in pretty much every one of those other categories. So in a nine-category league, uh, he he's absolutely the guy that I'm looking towards. And that is – Probably a, at least a somewhat controversy because he and LeBron are going around the same spot right now. But in a points league, I still think LeBron uh, reigns supreme over him because he is, I mean, yeah, LeBron will probably be a top 10 points league player until the day he retires. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he will definitely retire later because I think he's planning to play with his son. So I, I think that's one that's of true. his goals. That's true. Right? Yeah, and, and, and maybe then, his son's son too. <laughs> yeah, but it actually scares me because um, uh, if if that's the case, he might end up kind of like you know pacing his uh, his his game every season. But uh, something yeah. that I'm optimistic with is uh, I think they have to win this season. They they really need to prove something this season. Uh, I think um, uh, Anthony Davis is healthier. Maybe he's healthier as well. So maybe he goes back to uh, a last last season LeBron when he surprised us with those high assists. So um, despite not playing the whole, a lot of more games, at least around, I don't know, 72 games, if he gets that mark and then gives us solid dimes, I guess uh, picking him in that area will definitely give you value. So uh, LeBron is still LeBron. I think a lot of GMs will still draft him, maybe even reach him, maybe are wondering why he's there, but... Uh, you've already stated the differences. Uh, I mean, the reason why uh, LeBron is for a certain strategy or certain format, that goes as well with MPK. And speaking of uh, the Lakers, ex-Laker Cal Kuzma, would you rather have yeah. him? I think uh, I you, you just mentioned to me you're super ready for the Washington Wizards, right? I think you did your <laughs> solid research. But yeah, he's going yeah. up against Nick Batum. <laughs> um. 
so with all due respect to Kyle Kuzma, who I like as a person, um, I'm not quite sure I see him as the player that he sees himself as uh, necessarily. Uh, he's, I mean, look, I, I, I like Kuzma, but Washington man, like you and I were talking about offline, I have no idea what to expect for this front court. And if anyone tells you that they do, unless they're like a beat writer for the Wizards, then they don't, they don't, they don't really know either. This is a team that has so many guys at really every position outside of point guard and shooting guard, like, you know, Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal, you know that those two are going to start there. Fine. I couldn't tell you who the reasonable expectation at small forward or power forward is for this team. Uh, like Kuzma is the biggest name of that trade that came over for the Lakers. But you could argue that KCP makes a lot more sense to start at that small forward spot with his, you know, his versatility as a defender and a floor spacer. Um, at the four, Rui Hachimura is still in town, and I'd still think that he, he there's an argument to be made that he's still Washington's best long-term prospect that you know, they should invest development in. They still have uh, last first-round pick from last year, Denny Avdia, who could compete for minutes with um, with Kuzma, uh, uh, a guy in Avdia I actually like a lot more. As I, can, I like his fantasy stat set more in, in category leagues. And then there's Davis Bertans, the $80 million man, who is, you know, he's going to get paid to shoot. You know, like you can't when you get when you when you add all these guys up, and I still feel like I'm missing someone in that small forward, power forward range on this team. I don't know how you anyone can expect Kuzma to play mm-hmm. a starter's allotment of minutes. And even if he did, he uh, he's not been a, a good fantasy basketball player at that time, even when he's with the Lakers. Uh, you know, maybe there's an element to his game that he could explore more in Washington. Like, you know, he was a good playmaker in college, like a good passer. We never really saw that materialize as a pro. And a lot of that's because he's playing with LeBron or Lonzo. Uh, you know, it's not like he's in a situation with Beal and Dinwiddie where he can be a pass-first kind of guy, but maybe they try and unlock that level of his game in the pros. I just, to me, there's just so many questions, too many guys, and Frankly, the guy I we haven't even talked about Batum on the right, he's actually got a role, an important role to play for this Clippers team this year. Uh, you know, he, he took people by surprise uh, when he really sort of wound up in their starting lineup at the beginning of last year and never really gave it up. Uh, you know, Batum was a really critical point. I mean, he did with Morris here and there, but he always played a very large role for them. That's going to continue even more so this year. Like Batum is a valuable uh, uh, power forward for this team. They're going to roll him out in some small ball five lineups. In a category league setting, Batum does way, way more for you than, than Kuzma does. I mean, he can help you out with steals. Uh, and he can help you out with really low turnovers. He can help you out with a, a trickle of assists, some threes. He's kind of he's a like you know, he's a Swiss Army knife kind of player uh, who is looking at a much clearer defined role than Kuzma is this year. So, I, I really went in on the Wizards there. I did not. I, I hope I gave you some stuff to work with there, uh, Roy. But that's uh, I lock me in for Batum on that one. Actually, uh, I'm gonna pass as well for Kuzma. I won't, I can't say anything. <laughs> but technically, uh, to be honest, um, it's 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 really hard for us to really assess what what's the plan here for the Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm. The only logical move there is to trade like assets. But like what I've said, uh, would they trade Denny? Would they trade Drew? Because I think they they like those young 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 guns. So would mm-hmm. Uzma be traded, but his value isn't you know isn't high right now. I I don't think that's a good move. Maybe they guess they 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 let Uzma play more and then uh, 
come trade deadline, they could flip him. Maybe that's a, a logical plan. But uh, again, it's he's something that I really don't have any chance to. There's no chance there's a Kuzma in my lineup this season, yeah. even in deep leagues as well. But uh, something that he could really help out is scoring. Because, you know, that's the only uh, thing he did uh, back in the Los Angeles Lakers. And to be honest, I would rather have Talon Horton Tucker last season over Cal Guzman still. So uh, that says a lot on uh, the value of Cal Guzman. Again, this is no offense to um, a pretty boy Cal Guzman. On the other hand, on the, on the other hand uh, Nick Batum, I, I love Nick Batum as one of those last picks. He gives you a lot of, uh, you know, uh, back in the Portland days, it's like the original Swiss Army um, player wherein you get solid percentages, you get blocks, you get steals, you get snipes, you get a uh, solid point. So that's him like years ago. And then after trading to trade, being traded to the Charlotte Hornets, he's been sitting there like for years, just <laughs> sitting, saying hi, uh, doing some uh, claps, and then tapping uh, their butts whenever they're going to the bench. <laughs> but now he's now trying to earn his money for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think he also loves basketball because he's been playing FIBA for quite some time every time he has a chance. So. That means he's really passionate about uh, the, bas- the, the uh, playing basketball to the point that um, going to a big team like the Los Angeles Lakers could really mean that um, he could step up to help them at least go to the playoffs. Not win the title, but at least you know, be there at least in the lower part of the top eight. So uh, I think there's a reason why they haven't really done much move yet despite Kawhi's um uh injury to really you know uh make a run to to be in that uh, conference but uh, i don't know maybe they went uh they they wanted to get some picks Uh, it's it's still a great area for me but uh, what's clear for me is uh his fantasy value he can provide you a lot of uh, categories so despite being old i think he has a solid upside this season and uh, speaking of upside, um, do you think Miles Bridges with his performance last season has a very good chance to, you know, repeat that this season? Or you, 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 you want to uh, have uh, Harrison Barnes instead, who actually had a great season last season? It's yeah. kind of like surprising. He, he did a, have a good run. We, I, to be honest, I personally didn't expect that from Harrison Barnes. I didn't either. I didn't either. I think a lot of us had kind of written Barnes off as, you know, just this guy who can sort of plot along and give you some some good stats here and there. But he really did take a, a step up next year. I think he was a top 80 player in nine category leagues on the season. Uh, you know, he really stepped his scoring average up, excuse me, scoring average up a lot. Uh, uh, he was a very efficient option and really just kind of a, a safety valve for the these young uh, the young guards in Sacramento. And, you know, it's interesting, like I, you know, over on the Hoopball YouTube channel, we've been, we're, we're starting the series where we're projecting the top 100 players for every team. And when we got to Charlotte the other day, you know, we had a really interesting debate about whether or not Bridges can capitalize on that because he's in a unique spot where not, he showed, he flashed a ton of upside more than I think we've seen from him at this stage of his career. Um, Yet he finds himself in a scenario where it still might be more logical for him to, where he still, I mean, he could still be this a bench player on the team starting next season. I mean, he he was able to succeed in large part because Gordon Hayward was, wasn't there. 
and he got to play a lot of that small forward where I think he was uh, he was really able to unlock this floor spacing aspect to his game. Um, I think that if he does capitalize on a lot of what we saw last year, it's going to have to come in these lineups where Charlotte's playing smaller and PJ Washington is their center uh, and he can play. And, and this is assuming that Hayward's healthy. Um, you know, it's just that he, he has, there's a lot of obstacles that make it not impossible for him to be a top 100 player this year or a top 80, 60 range type of player. But there's just so many questions about the, 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 the Hornets just have a lot of guys now. And I mean, I haven't talked about Kelly Oubre Jr. Who's well below them in the pecking order, but also a guy who's going to command shots off the bench. Is there enough there for Bridges to take the next step? Is he going to like ascend past Hayward as a clear cut, uh, you know, third option, second option offensively with like LaMelo and Terry Rozier. I don't know. Um, I, given that I think I'm going to go with Harrison Barnes because I feel that he's a safer choice uh, given that Sacramento's done little to add to their front court in this off season. He still figures to play a lot of minutes for them. I think that he's still a trade candidate too, which could make things complicated. Um, I really want to go with Bridges because that upside's really enticing, but uh, I feel that Barnes, who you could probably draft in a similar range, at least the beginning of the season, I, I have reason to believe that his role is more straightforward than, than, than Miles Bridges is. Yeah, totally, totally, totally agree on both takes. Uh, this is like out of the line question. Uh, who yeah. would you rather have, Miles Bridges or Jaden McDaniel? I would probably rather have miles bridges and that's not to minimize what i think Jaden mcdaniels can do this year who I'm, I'm quite high on um you know i i'm not alone in that there's plenty of people out there who all bored the Jaden mcdaniels train but i did watch some timberwolves games when they were like you know really starting to figure things out last year and uh, this guy this kid man he's he's got some tools defensively you know like he he can really become a special player if he knows how in in, in real life and in fantasy if he can sort of figure out how to put that all together. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you, you have to go with Bridges if you're choosing the, in, between a draft this year because Miles Bridges is just – he's his upside's much uh, much higher at in the immediate. Yeah, the, the reason why I ask that is uh, Charlotte is actually expecting something that uh, we saw to Jaden McDaniels as well because, you know, that athletic forward that can – play in the bot end of the court. So that's the reason I was curious how yeah. you see both players. Uh, now, let, let's talk about some solid scorers here for the forwards. We have Karis Levert and Norman Powell. Um, what's your take here? Because me personally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested with Karis Levert to the point that uh, I was thinking on how would Rick Carlisle use Karis Levert. Um, they would have slower pace with Rick Carlisle compared to last season. So that means maybe uh, Karis Levert's ability to make plays is something that they could, you know, use uh, in their new system. But how about you? What's your take? This is a really interesting one uh, here because both of these guys went to new teams after the trade. Uh, well, Karis Levert obviously was traded before the trade deadline, but he didn't make his uh, Pacers debut until about mid-March, which is when Norm Powell made his debut for the Blazers. And when you isolate that stretch of time last year, Levert was the better fantasy option in, in category leagues and, and in points leagues. I mean, he was, like you said, yeah, they were, he was, he was a high volume guy and a, and a likely higher paced offense. 
Um, whereas Powell, you know, Powell has got a pretty safe role in Portland, uh, but he's a third option offensively at best, fourth debatably, depending on, you know, Nurkic's health and the role that he plays this year. But on the flip side with Levert, I mean, you know, obviously TJ Warren's still battling his way back from that foot injury. He was a guy who was going to threaten a lot of uh, Levert's touches. And there's still questions. I mean, there's questions as to, you know, when Warren will actually get back out there and what degree that will impact, uh, you know, Levert's uh, touches this year. But he was just, I don't know, there was something about that pace where he, I don't think it's reasonable to expect Levert to lead the team in shot attempts again this season. Um, I think a lot of that was a function of uh, trying to just mix something up with this versatile offensive player. There was a ton of injuries for Indiana at different times. And he was really one of the only guys who were just consistently healthy. Um, both of these guys I would anticipate would be in the top 109 category league. I think I've been going safe on a lot of these uh, choices. So I kind of want to go Levert to mix it up. But the safe side of me is saying that Norm Powell probably is the better option. But again, this is, I think this all is another, again, once again, a function of your team builds because Powell is kind of similar to a, Bogdan, a better version of Bohan Bogdanovich. And it's not a good comparison, but we talked about him earlier. Very efficient scoring guard, uh, you know, doesn't really hurt you many places, but doesn't really blow up a lot of, you know, it doesn't really carry you in any one category. Whereas Levert, has a higher upside as a points per game guy who could get you some assists and steals as well. Um, you know what? I'm dancing around it. I'm going to go with Levert. I'm going to go with Levert in the upside there. But I think that Powell has an avenue to be the better player when it's all said and done, given how the TJ Warren situation shakes out. Yeah, totally agree as well. And then additional um, you know, incentive for Levert too is uh, Brogdon has been kind of like injured every season almost so maybe that also adds some uh, additional um, incentive for Karis Levert for anyone who drafts Karis Levert it's another angle that you know gives you uh, another because when, when you're trying to compare players and then you want to check out the checklist it's you can add it to the checklist that hey he, uh, if Brogdon goes down yes they have TJ McConnell but Karis Levert is someone that does the facilitating back in the Brooklyn Nets so Maybe it's something that is uh, Carlisle is also familiar on how he used local advantage. Uh, for, for the next matchup, this is probably going to be quick for you. This is a battle of the ages. Yeah. Tito, uh, Uncle Joe and Uncle Gallo, the Italian cock. So who would you rather have? I, I'm assuming there's a clear uh, answer here. Um, so... Yeah, I actually do think there's a clear answer on this one. And I think the answer is that it's Joe Ingles. He's the guy that I would prefer uh, between these two. Just because, like, look, I mean, Gallinari is um, – uh, uh, that is Gallo right down there, right? Yeah, that's Gallinari. Yeah, like, yep. so Gallinari, I mean, man, like, he's – he obviously was good for Atlanta during stretches last year, a little inconsistent at times. But I, I think for the, the Hawks' perspective – if they can maintain uh, health this year, they're like just roster wide. They're going to try and find opportunities to man to load manage him. Uh, you know, given the injury history, given the age, and given the importance that they need a shot creation in their playoff run coming up, they have enough depth to get by here and there without Gallo playing in certain matchups. Especially when you consider that they just drafted Jalen Johnson uh, out of Duke. 
he's not going to get a lot of opportunities this year, but he is a really interesting prospect that if the Hawks can find an avenue to get him some NBA action, this is a pretty logical one. Preserve the, your vet, give your young guy some run at that small four uh, position. Whereas Joe Ingles is a really important piece for the Utah Jazz still. Uh, I'd say that, you know, he is the, the, you know, Jordan Clarkson is considered the sixth man for his scoring prowess, but I think that Joe Ingles is by far the more important player uh, off that bench just because of the playmaking, because of the defense. Uh, that role is not going anywhere this year. Uh, I, I think that I think that there's a, just a strong bet that he finishes the season ahead of Gallo. And like, I mean, he has an opportunity to be a top 100 player. The, the one thing that Gallinari has as far as like, you know, that sets him apart from other guys that you can choose at this range is kind of what we talked about with Bohan Bogdanovich. He's a really good free throw percentage guy at that stage of the draft, you know, can get you a decent volume of them. And he's like near 90% from the line, but there, if Atlanta is healthy this year, they have a lot of incentive to dial back his uh, role during the regular season so that they can make a deep playoff push. Yeah. That's actually uh, one of the, points I was taking. It's just a matter of really uh, validating how deep uh, Utah versus Atlanta is. Because in yeah. terms of uh, depth, I guess Atlanta is uh, on the top tier of all NBA teams in terms of depth. They're, they really have good guards and wings and forwards there. So it's yeah. going to be tough for uh, Gallo here to you know uh, give uh, that solid uh, fantasy value when he was uh, in OKC or even his uh, late days in uh, Los Angeles Clippers. On the other hand, additional value and incentive as well for Joe Ingles is the ones we've talked about uh, Boyan as well. If Conley goes down, then uh, Joe Ingles dimes and minutes goes up. No doubt. Okay, so this one, let's see. Do you think this is a tough one? Top go- yeah. This is uh, Brandon Ingram versus Chris Middleton. You, you, the ones that you've been rolling with at the top are very tricky, man. Like all, all three of these, like you know, marquee ones. There's a lot of arguments both ways. Um, I like these guys are going to finish close this season, um, and, and I think per game value, I'm going to go with Middleton though. Uh, I think that he is uh, is reliable an option as there is uh, in terms of fantasy picks. I think Ingram is too, but Middleton just has a consistency to him that I can appreciate. Another guy who just really doesn't hurt you in any particular area. You know, he's just really solid across the board. Doesn't get you many uh, steal. It uh, doesn't get you a ton of block shots really is in the one thing you can knock with him. My one hesitation is that maybe, you know, coming off of an NBA, you know, you see it with teams all the time, older teams, even younger teams, injuries can set in, uh, rust can set in. Uh, you know, I'd be maybe a little concerned that Middleton maybe has to deal with some of the ramifications of a deep playoff run, uh, whereas Ingram is younger and he's in a situation in New Orleans where they really need to make the playoffs this year. He has to be a big part of that. But I just like Middleton's game more. Uh, I think it's more reliable. It, but and, and especially, and I think that, New Orleans, though I wasn't a huge fan of what they did in the offseason, I do think that they have put in, they've, they've put enough guys around uh, Ingram and Zion to where it, I, I don't really know, like there's enough offensive opportunities around him where he doesn't necessarily have to be this second guy in just like legions above everyone else in terms of shot attempts and usage on that team. You know, Devontae Graham, 
Akil Alexander-Walker, Jonas Valanciunas, all these guys are going to take a decent amount of shots this year, and I'm curious what that will do to Ingram's production. Well, um, to piggyback on that, I think uh, what it will do to Ingram's produ- production is he's going to increase uh, his assist uh, for this season because he's been playing kind of like a point forward for several times. That goes as well with Zion. But uh, I'm uh, one important thing about New Orleans Pelicans is they don't have stand the man now. So I would assume they might go back to how they play the system before, wherein it's kind of like a faster pace. And on, in in that pace, they actually thrive and they, well, faster mm-hmm. pace could definitely be converted to more stats. So maybe that helps out uh, Brandon Ingram here. But, you know, uh, if safer pick, definitely Chris Middleton. He's been super undervalued every year. Yeah. For some reason, people think, you know, maybe because he's boring, he, he doesn't have that specific stats to really uh, help you, you know, like even like Duncan Robinson, the reason why people like Duncan Robinson because uh, single-handedly, he could definitely help you out win one uh, category. So maybe that's the reason why people are kind of like bored with Chris Middleton. But, you know, uh, Brandon Ingram, on the other hand, um, the, is, his... Um, his value was really driven when uh, Zion was out. Yeah. So that's one of the things that always, you know, kind of like tickles my mind. Because, um, yes, Zion has a very solid uh, uh, last season. But uh, just in case, because, you know, we, we don't know what happened. So uh, I always think of those players that has injury uh, history. So I also would like to add that option for Brandon Ingram because... What if Zion goes down? Then we get that third round value that uh, Brandon Ingram provided a few seasons back. It's very, I mean, look, we kind of forget that, yeah, Zion is an injury prone guy, you know, and if he gets out of the equation, then you're totally right. Ingram ascends to a brand new level, and I hadn't really considered that. Yeah. And speaking of injuries, this next matchup, Gordon Hayward versus OG Anunobi. If we're talking about like upside, I think OG Anunobi has been, uh, touted by fantasy analysts to be that, you know, he's gonna take a leap this season. But unfortunately, last season, he was injured and then, you know, he really still showed uh, improvement. But would this be the season wherein Pascal Siakam isn't, like, available uh, for a couple of months? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to be a part of that group of people, too, but I'm all in on OG Ananobi this year. I think that they want him to take on a larger role as an offensive creator. Um, and yeah, he had some injuries last year. Uh, I think he also, you know, he also dealt with COVID uh, as did a lot of uh, the, the Raptors starters. And there was a stretch after he returned from COVID in about mid-March where he was posting top 30 numbers, uh, just, you know, really just firing out the gate. I Hayward is reliable in terms of per game production, uh, not as much as uh, in his ability to, <laughs> to rack up injuries. Um, I, I'm, I'm all in on OG and Anobi in this matchup. And I, I, I really do think that this could be the year that he, uh, takes that really next level step in nine cat leagues, especially without Siakam in the fold to start the year. Um, you know, that's an opportunity for Ananobi to really just be this team's second tier, uh, you know, secondary, maybe even primary play, uh, offensive creator. And I, I just, I like his prospects a lot this year. 
and he's still going too low in drafts too. So in just in terms of just draft value, uh, like Hayward's I think is going in a fair spot, and Anobi's still in a spot where you can really get some. I think in the best case scenario, a lot of <laughs> a lot of value out of him. So maybe this is the year that the hype really sells in on him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I also love uh, OG here, and then yeah. the own. It's going to be hard to defend uh, Hayward's case. Um, maybe dimes could matter, but you know, uh, it's being offset by his ability to get injured <laughs> every season. So, uh, I guess uh, I'm also going to pick OG here and leave uh, Gordon Hayward under up. Maybe something that could give uh, or boost values to Hayward is if people won't draft him to the point that he will slide like a, mm-hmm. a couple of rounds down then that's where you get value out of uh, Gordon Hayward yeah. uh, next in line um, these are kind of like different players in terms of uh, how what they offer but um, Kyle Anderson actually uh, had a superb season last year uh, he has been that secondary and sometimes primary facilitator uh, for uh, the um, Memphis Grizzlies, and his shooting was, you know, impressive. Uh, yeah. But Triple J is back. Jamarant is healthy. Um, compared to Wiggins, Clay Thompson is is still out. He's gonna be their secondary scorer still. But um, they have like difference in terms of what they offer. Uh, Kyle Anderson has a very solid fantasy. Uh, stats that he can provide, but would he have the opportunity that Wiggins has right now? You know, it's interesting. It, it, a lot of that will that depends on how Memphis decides to roll that starting front court. You know, they traded Jonas Valanciunas and they brought in Steven Adams, but are they going to start Adams at center or do they prefer to play Jaron Jackson Jr. there a lot of the time? I think there's a lot of people in the league that say that the Grizzlies view Jackson as the center of the future on that team. Whether or not he's ready to take on that role yet remains to be seen. Um, you know, if if he's playing more center this year, that opens up a lot more time at the four for Anderson. But he also, I think, is you know, I, I think that there's plenty of opportunity for him at the three this year as well. I mean, I I, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, but I don't think I am. He's going to be this team's starting small forward more, most likely this year. You know, you have Ja, Dylan Brooks, him. I'd probably say that Jaron Jackson Jr. is at the four and then Adams is at the five. But I don't know. I, I think that what slow-mo does as a as a connector on that team and as a defender is very valuable. Uh, and I think that he's still going to find plenty of opportunities to play. And, uh, you know, whereas Wiggins, I'm not like – Clay Thompson is going to have a very up-and-down season. I, I think that people are expecting are going to expect too much from Clay coming back from his injury. Um, but Wiggins, even in that role, he's still kind of a guy who will get, he'll be a top 100 player, but maybe not more, much more than a top 90 player. So I, I, I think I'm going to go Kyle Anderson just because of the versatility. Uh, unless I'm forgetting of a, of a guy who, in Memphis, who should be starting over in a small forward, which I, I feel like I'm just totally blanking on right now. But um, No, I, I guess I, I also think uh, Kyle Anderson will uh, definitely start. Like you said, you actually... Uh, yeah. stated the, 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 the important de- thing there uh, because his role is like Joe Ingles' role in the Utah Jazz. A little bit, He's, yeah. He, he is kind of like sticks. Uh, he, he makes the team cohesive on, on how, what he offers despite being that you know, slow player. 
Uh, Wiggins, the only thing that entices me with Wiggins is that out-of-position blocks. So it's something sure. that really is, uh, Wiggins is kind of like, you know, good. So maybe that's something that you want to check if you're drafting Wiggins. Uh, ne- next up, uh, these two guys had their, li- li- both of them had limelights last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, entering the season, DeAndre Hunter really surprised us. End of the season, Lou Dort, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did some uh, uh, win, uh, help uh, GMs win the, the, the playoffs, right? So who do you think is a better player now? Majority of the players around them are healthy. And yeah. then um, it's back to their regular role. So would you rather have uh, Lou Dort or DeAndre Hunter? So uh this might be where my hawks bias starts to come in but maybe not because i like i i would definitely go with deandre hunter here um you know hunter did start uh off last year like on this incredible just high efficiency note you know scoring at all three levels um really was atlanta's most consistent player behind trey young the one but but the one guy who was not in the lineup for a lot of that that will have an interesting impact on him this year that needs to be evaluated is bogdan bogdanovich um, those two, you know, those two were injured at different times and they did not get to play a ton, it, really much at all, aside from the playoffs in the starting lineup together. Um, you know, the thing with that, but the thing with Hunter that made that, like, you know, he was posting top 60 value. He was only doing it on 12 shots per game. It was really high efficiency that was getting him over that mark. Nice threes, good points numbers, uh, decent enough rebounding. He's going to be the starting small forward assuredly on this Hawks team this year. And a lot has been made about the depth being a concern. Like, you know, you got to find your minutes for Herder and Cam Reddish and Bogdanovich and Hunter. Like, where do all those guys fit and play? And the only thing I'd say of those four, Hunter is the one, if he's healthy, who has the most consistent role, I think, locked up because of his ability to defend on the perimeter. Uh, He is the Hawks' best option in that regard. And if he can create the way that we saw him do at the beginning those first 30 games last year like for himself that's just too invaluable to not play 30 minutes a night for nate mcmillan you know you need guys who can produce without trade without well being trey young you know without being dependent on trey to to set him up and hunter has that skill set whereas dort you know he did he was he was electric he was on fire last year and he did probably win some playoff leagues but he also did that without a lot of key guys around him uh and that could very well be the case t- down the stretch towards the end of this year too, but he just doesn't have the fantasy game quite yet. And, and look, Hunter's is not locked in or secured either because you know if he returns to just like average efficiency from the field and the line, then he's a much different fantasy player. But I, I just think that in, I think he has a higher upside both in real life and in fantasy to continue that trend. Whereas Dort, I still have questions about his efficiency. In his ability to be in, in his consistency too, because it was not uh, it was a very bumpy road if you tried to go the the full stretch of the year with Lou Dort. Not only because Oklahoma City was resting him for no reason, be, other than because they wanted to lose shamelessly load managing their twenty two year old. I will never get over that. Um, but you know, <laughs> they he just when he was out there, he was just not as consistent as DeAndre Hunter. So I'm I'm all in on Hunter as a guy to look at after the first 100 picks uh, between those two. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, my uh, another hot take from me for this season, I think SGA is going to play more games this season. I agree. Uh, to the point that uh, Lou Dort might end up playing what we have saw him play before. Wherein yeah. 
you mentioned earlier how the defense of Aaron Gordon doesn't translate to fantasy stats. That goes as well with Dudor. He, he really is a pesky defender, but he doesn't have like a lot of steals, to be honest. It's the uh, same with Hunter, by the way, too. Yeah. He doesn't. He's not a high defensive stat guy, even though he's a real life great defender. Yeah, I agree. But I guess, uh, like you've been uh, saying earlier, uh, what Hunter did is something that is more realistic to be replicated over how Ludort, uh, in Ludort's case, we're in, you know, that efficiency, like you've mentioned, and then that opportunity, I, I don't think with every uh, OKC player healthy and available, I don't think that's going to happen for Ludort. And, you know, he, he plays best as uh, that defender instead of, you know, as that uh, offensive option. They have Bokosevsky. Uh, they could also check uh, if they could improve um, Josh Giddy's play in terms of how he scores. So there's a lot of things happening in OKC to the point that uh, they might really stick and uh, ensure that Ludort becomes that uh, solid defender of their future. And then lastly for uh, this slide, um, I-, I like this one, Jashon Tate. I-, I like how he plays. I like what he offers, especially with Janwell out. But um, do you think he would step he has like another gear to really step up despite having a lot of um, more ball kind of like hog players in the Houston Rockets uh, versus Duncan Robinson who is you know he's a sure thing you need snipes draft Duncan Robinson so yeah what can you say I I'd actually I, I'm gonna go with Jay Sean Tate comfortably here actually I'm I'm, I'm very high on him coming into this season I mean I'll die like I'm high on him coming into this season because yeah he uh, the John Wall news opens up uh, an avenue for him to play starters level minutes uh, on a nightly basis I think that he makes the most sense for that team as that starting small forward and it's true that he does have some very high usage ball hog players in Kevin Porter Jr. (laughs) and Jalen Green at the wings but look uh, Kevin Porter Jr. he's going to be their starting point guard but he's still learning the position it's not uh, something that it's not something that he knows how to be great at yet at the NBA level. He averaged seven assists per game. He almost averaged four turnovers too. Like he is a guy who's very raw and this is a Houston team that's going to need, he's going to have to defer to some guys to help him out too. And Jay Sean Tate's a capable playmaker. He has, uh, there's a reason, you know, he can help some possessions setting up the offense and playing that point. I think there'll be a point guard by committee uh, impacting Houston to some degree. Like Kevin Porter Jr. will be primarily that guy, but you know Jalen Green will get chances to do it. I think Tate will get chances to do it too. You, we might we could very well see Christian Wood doing some of it too from the forward spot. Like I think everyone will get involved as a playmaker, and I think that where Tate really you know like yeah Duncan Robinson is reliable, but I also think that there are guys that you could get after Robinson that do what he does to a degree even better. Like, right, for an example right now in Yahoo Leagues, Joe Harris is going 30 picks after Duncan Robinson. Joe Harris was a better fantasy player than Robinson last year, and they had the same stat set. Um, you know, they're both going to be fourth options off on offense on their relative teams. Um, you know, I just think that you can find threes a lot easier than you can find what Tate gives you, and that's really decent steals numbers in – uh, on a really nice percentage too. Like he's just got a lot of interesting elements to his game that makes him a unique nine category leagues player. And I, I think that uh, personally, I'm yeah, I'm more interested in being able to find steals in, a, in high efficiency numbers with a chance of uh, assists as well tied in 
then uh, I would be in Robinson, who, you know, I think that you could replicate his value at different junctures at the end of the draft. And, and to add, not everyone knows Dushante. So sure. that's going to boost the value that he could provide in terms of uh, draft rankings. Also, yeah. um, Dushante can play a lot of positions. You know, if someone yeah. goes down, he can play four, he can play two, he can play one. So that's what I love with uh, Dushante. And then Duncan Robinson, uh, I guess it's the name value. People love his name. He, he kind of like, maybe because he looks like, kind of like Jimmy Neutron. So he looks familiar to everyone. But uh, I guess that's the namesake. So uh, that was a very solid battle, uh, Alan. So let's now move to a fast break takes. This All is right. going to be just trending up or, or down. And then you can chime in a couple of uh, reasons why you think these players are trending up or trending down. Number one, we won't talk forwards if, if Kevin Durant isn't included. So it's, yeah. do you think he's going to trend up uh, despite the injury scares that uh, people are thinking with Kevin Durant? But he actually played a solid run during the Olympic Games. So oh, yeah. And up, trend down. You know what? I'll say if he if he manages to stay relatively healthy, like no serious injury concerns this year, he's trending up to me. I think that what we saw when those three were out there at the same time is that Kevin Durant's still the best player on that team. He very well might be the best player in the world. Uh, and this is a guy that still has an opportunity to be a top five, top three per game fantasy player in nine category leagues. I think that James Harden's still the guy that I'd draft first of all those guys, because I think he's a safer bet durability wise, but I think Durant's trending up. If you're drafting him in the top 10 again this year, there's a good chance that he beats that number on a per game basis. Uh, There's several names in my mind that uh, was a former number one pick. So I'm going to ask you this question. Who do you think has a better chance to be a number one uh, player again in terms of fantasy? Is it Kevin Durant? Is it Carl Anthony Towns or is it Anthony Davis? I, I was hoping you'd ask me Anthony Davis. I, I like, you know, you mentioned earlier in the show how LeBron and the Lakers have a reason. They need to win, right? Like last year, they tried to do the whole thing where they just like, hey, we'll get to the playoffs and figure it out from there. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, that, 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 that was actually terrible. <laughs> like though they got, they got beaten out of the first round. They are not going to be messing around this year. They are going to want to, they have every reason in the world to get as high a seat as they can. And between LeBron and AD and Westbrook, Anthony Davis to me is the guy that stays durable throughout the season and is the 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 guy coming off that the, that he is the man for the Lakers that they can rely on in night in and night out. So I, I think there's a lot a lot has been made about like you know injury concerns with him and him, you know, like the numbers falling off. I think that he's in for a bounce back season this year. I, I think that he could end up being a top three player in fantasy. Probably I'd give a better shot at that than Durant. So he's my guy that I'd go with there. I, I think nice. that he play, I think that the blocks and rebounds come back and that he plays as many games as he can. Actually for me, he's my second and my, my first pick is Carl Anthony Towns. I think he yeah. will also have a, a to be honest a more conservative chance over Anthony Davis just because of the injuries uh, in the past. Cat uh, uh, has been like an Iron Man before last season. And the previous season we're in is just, you know, an unfortunate event for Carl Anthony Towns. But yeah, those, I, I'm mentioning this because for those lis- who are listening to us right now, when you're trying to pick in the first round, uh, the, only, the first thing that comes to my mind is 
will this player has a chance to be the number one uh, fantasy player for this season? Because that that's what happened to uh, Nikola Jokic. To be honest, he wasn't touted to be the number one uh, fantasy player last season, but he surprised us, uh, be, uh, ending up with a very solid uh, fantasy uh, value over the likes of James Harden, who was you know traded to the Brooklyn Nets. That that's why uh, that bumped his uh, fantasy projection as well, and that goes as well with uh, maybe Stephen Curry. But yeah, uh, I just really wanted to share and point that one out. Next and, up, yeah. Tsunami Papi. Oh, <laughs> anything you want to say, bro? No, I was just going to say, yeah, no, like, you know, just to, to be clear, I would not draft the guys in the top five, like we said. But you're right, the Towns is the more yeah, durable yeah. option. Yeah, but I think, yeah, uh, the viewers know that. So yeah, to, uh, Tsunami Papi. <laughs> yeah, and... and and it's going to be a value as well. Uh, you, you pick Anthony Davis. Sometimes Davis is available in the start of second round. And if you yeah. have a chance to really get Anthony Davis, it's going to give you a lot of value. Okay, going back to our homeboy, Tsunami Papi. Uh, he's, he had a very bad rep last season just because of how he shot the ball. So yeah. it, would he re, you know, revive his game in the Charlotte Hornet? Maybe uh, the efficiency goes up because he's uh, in a. There's a lot of other options around him. Well, actually, not even really. I mean, like you know, Steph Curry is it? Well, I mean, look, Steph Curry is an option offensively around him, as was Wiggins. Not so much Draymond. I, I I'm talking myself in tongues here. No, nah, he's trending down. He's a bench player in Charlotte. There are five guys that are going to get opportunities on offense ahead of him. Uh, you know, he did not have a lot of suitors in free agency for a reason. Um, he's, I like him still as a player, but this year is going to be a lot about him trying to rebrand himself as a, uh, as a role player, really. Um, and that's going to require him to like, you know, know his role in this team, take some steps back and work on that efficiency. So I, I think that he's pretty clearly trending down for me. Got it. Uh, yeah. how about, how about Royce O'Neal? Uh, Royce O'Neal really helped uh, every team last season who needed rebounds. He's kind of a sneaky forward that gives you a lot of rebounds. Do you yeah. think there's a, a, a scenario in he trends up or just stay the same? I think there's less scenarios that he trends up and more that he's trending down because Utah actually added some depth behind him this year in Ruby Gay. Uh, you know, Gay, like, in years past, it's really been Royce O'Neal, uh, Bogdanovich, uh, locking down that power forward spot, but Gay is going to play a lot of minutes there this year. You know, uh, O'Neal is still going to be a valuable piece for them. He's still going to be starting, but he's not going to have to play, you know, like minutes in the low to mid 30s every night the way that he used to. So I'd say down. Yeah, and, and I think um, Rudy Gay offers more as well in terms of uh, fantasy stats and even in reality. Uh, Rudy Gay is. Has some juice, has some grandpa juice that he got from Manu Ginobili when he was in the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, speaking, of, there, man. <laughs> speaking of grandpa juice, Melo. Melo had quite some run last season in the Portland Blazers at least a couple of weeks. But um, I don't know. Do you think he has more juice for the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, I, I want to say that he's trending up and that I think that he'll be in a more featured role in L.A. than he was in Portland, but that's not me saying that you should look at him as a fantasy option. I don't think you should. Uh, I, I think he profiles to start at the 
But well, I mean, I don't know what the Lakers are going to do, frankly, because they, they still don't want to start Anthony Davis at center this year. Uh, but he, I imagine he'll, he will be playing a lot of four next to AD. Uh, but, you know, he's still competing with Trevor Ariza for that spot, too. I mean, it's tricky. I, I'd, I'd say he's trending up, but don't, but only marginally. And even if it were more than that, you can't draft him or really utilize him in fantasy this year. Yeah. Uh, at least he's happy. <laughs> this at least he's happy, man. Yeah, no yeah. banana boat back together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. This one, uh, next one is could have been a very solid fantasy player for this season, but fortunately he's injured. So I, I guess there's one answer for this one for yeah. TJ Warren. He's trending down, unfortunately. Uh, until we know more about what that foot, he 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 has to be trending down. You, you know, we need to. You never want to draft guys who are injured heading into the NBA season, and this is an injury that he's been now working his way back from for over a year. And it's real. There's a lot of ambiguity as to what exactly is still wrong uh, with the foot in the recovery. So he, he's trending down until we are presented with more information. Yeah, it was a sad news because if you drafted early and you haven't really uh, checked the injury, you could have like drafted TJ Warren because. He's about to really provide such value in the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> uh, speaking of injuries, another injured player. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Would you draft him this season? No. <laughs> you shouldn't. No one, you know, no, none, none of y'all should draft Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Yahoo had, had him in the top 20 for like a long time in their pre race yeah. <laughs> That was ridiculous. Now, their updated rankings are still ridiculous. He's like in the 90s. Don't, don't draft Kawhi Leonard. He's not playing this year, guys. Like, he's. I, I, you know, like, you know, they, uh, they, they, maybe he'll play for the last week of the season, but just pick him up uh, on the waiver wire or something. If he's going to play in that last month or so, like you can't draft this guy. Uh, don't, exactly. don't, don't waste an IR spot either. Cause you know, guys are going to get injured. There's still COVID out there too. Uh, you know, you're going to need to utilize all those spots. And once he's healthy, he's definitely going to be, uh, limited in terms of oh, playing. Yeah. Kind of yeah he, he's uh, totally off the board this year. For sure. For sure. How about uh, Josh Hart? Josh Hart gives you a kind of like a unique set of stats, rebounds, and uh, snipes. So um, do you think he would trend up? Um, I'm going to say trending down. Uh, even though I think that he's going to be playing more or less the same role this year than he was in previous seasons. Um, but... I, I just think that he is not necessarily. I, th I think he is less a part of New Orleans' plans going forward than he has been, you know, previously. I still like him, and if he gets opportunities to play through injury or something, because he's not going to be a starter on this team, but he will play off the bench for sure. Uh, you know, really solid out of position rebounding stats for a guy, which I always like. But I don't know. I, I'd say really. I guess my real answer is that he's neither up or down, but if I had to choose one, it's, it's just down just because I think nor look at different directions in terms of development and opportunity on that team. Yeah, you also agree on that. You've already mentioned this one. I don't know if you still have like a take on it. Daniel yeah. Dia. Yeah, that's, it's hard trending up until we know what that rotation is in Washington. Uh, whether or not there's a trade in the works that frees stuff up around them. So for this season, I'd say he's trending down. Generally, I like him though. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like him. You know, maybe the fact that he's trending down this year trend makes him trend up because his value is going to drop a little bit. 
the coming season, but it's really hard to say that he's trending up with all the glut of forwards that are on that team and no real indication as to who's going to play over who at, at this point. Got it. And uh, this is another player that, you know, if given a chance, would definitely contribute and bring in solid uh, fantasy stats. Yeah. The, one of the lone kind of like young guns in the Los Angeles Lakers, Talon yeah. Horton Tucker. I, I want to say that he's trending up, right? Because he, they just signed him to a new deal, like a lot of money to tie up for the Lakers given their cap restraints. Uh, and there is like that starting shooting guard role is very much up for grabs. Like I, you could say that Wayne Ellington probably has the inside track because he's a good and reliable floor spacer. And he is competing with Malik Monk, who is also a guy who can create for himself offensively. But THT is he's their guy, you know, like they just signed him. Um, there will be more opportunities for him to play this year than in previous years. I think that they have a vetted interest in letting him grow in being a contributor for again like the lakers they, they really threw a whole bunch of guys like they're just <laughs> shaking up the snow globe and they're kind of waiting to see what falls where so based off of all that uncertainty and these avenues for opportunity yeah i'm gonna say he's trending up how about this dude otto parter jr he's been a, a fantasy contributor in his uh initial years at washington wizard uh, with a very depleted lineup uh, of, for the Golden State Warriors. Do you think he has a chance to redeem his value? Uh, not. It would take an injury or two, frankly, I think. I mean, I only I only say that because Porter has been a really solid fantasy contributor, and he'll have an opportunity to start this season, especially with news that James Wiseman is not healthy. Uh, and won't be able to start. That means that we're going to see a lot of Draymond at the five to start the season, which will open up opportunities for him at the four. But they also have Juan Toscano Anderson there, who does a lot of that like connectory for uh, you know rangy defender can shoot the three type of player. Otto Porter is a better player than uh, than Toscano Anderson, but uh, he's also going to be learning that system. And he still battles injuries from here and there. He's been pretty rusty. Um, there's a world where he could be a contributor for Golden State, but in my mind, I, I think that there are it was going to take an injury or two for involved in that capacity, especially once Clay comes back. So I'm going to say trending. I'm going to say trending down. Yeah, maybe in the those weeks that uh, Clay Thompson isn't available yet, maybe he gets some run. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he would like kind of stick. Uh, thing is, they they gave up um, Eric Pascal as well, so maybe there's you know some wiggle room there uh, for the PF position. Uh, speaking of uh, Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, would you draft him? Because people are still drafting him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft him. No, it's really hard to. I mean, look, uh, in Yahoo changed their rankings and have now put Clay around the 120 range. Much easier pill to swallow if you want to draft him there. But let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, Clay Thompson, best case scenario for him when he was like at the peak of his powers, he was like a top 60 player in Golden State. Just because, you know, granted, Kevin Durant was on the team at that time, so he was a third option offensively. But I don't know, man. Like, I can't see Clay this season, especially after two devastating injuries two years of missed action he's going to come back and what be a top 100 player i, I can't see that at all um 
I, if you're if you have like a if he's your last pick by all means go ahead and draft him you draft anyone with your last pick but I would not take him inside the top 100 and if you have like an expectation that he's a guaranteed like you know all-star level wing this year and he comes back you really should reevaluate that because they're gonna be very careful with play they're gonna really just you know they're gonna slow him roll him back into playing shape because they want him in the playoffs it, for this I mean yeah for this season he he's I'm not drafting him. We'll see how he looks and maybe we go there next year. Yeah, totally agree. And then the, this next uh, forward is someone that you missed earlier in the Memphis Grizzlies lineup, but right. uh, you didn't miss anything because he would definitely won't start for the Memphis Grizzlies as well. So yeah. Brandon Clark, he has been yeah. like a household name for quite some time in terms of, hey, this dude can provide solid stats. But as time goes by, he goes to the second stringer, now probably... Uh, third stringer for the forwards here in the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, he. I mean, look, I think that yeah, he definitely slowed down a little bit last year, especially at the start of the season. Like he had this weird jump shot mechanics that he had been testing out. Like someone broke his jumper. Uh, that, that we're still looking for him. Authorities are still trying to find that man who did that to Brandon Clark's jumper. Um, but he also started figuring things out towards the end of the season, and I think that there's an opportunity that he has a, a term that likes this thrown around a lot in hoop ball post hype where a guy is hyped up, doesn't perform, and then goes into the next season without that hype, but actually maybe should have it because he's still – all the reasons that you were hyped up on him before still exist. Tom, uh, you know, Clark is still a really solid nine-category leagues player. He's got a nice stat set, very efficient. And he has avenues to play at the four and the five. Um, I think swapping Valanciunas for Steven Adams is probably more favorable to him playing those center minutes. Of course, he is also competing with Xavier Tillman for a lot of those touches. I'm going to say he's trending up, though, because I, I do think that uh, after a slow start last year, people soured on him. And I think that there is still a world that he can play enough minutes and get himself to a top 100 level, even with these guys uh, all healthy. Uh, not drafting him top 100, of course. He might not even draft him at all this year, but he is someone that I'm on because he's, a very, he's still a young talent that uh, I think still has plenty of room for growth. Yeah, he can also be that, you know, him and DeAnthony Melton might be that kind of sixth, seventh man in their lineup because I think their best uh, rotation would be Jamarant and then uh, uh, maybe Desmond Bain because of his shooting. And then you have uh, Kyle Anderson and then you put in Triple J and I would rather have Xavier Tillman over uh, Steven Adams. I think... Uh, for me, that's a very uh, solid my lineup. Maybe not their first five, but maybe uh, the lineup that uh, gets more minutes. Uh, yeah. Next up, we, we've kind of like touched on him earlier. Terrence Mann. I think he should be trending up, right? Yeah, no doubt. He is, I think, likely going to start the season for the Clippers. I mean, there's a world he maybe he doesn't. Because um, like we said, we talked about Batum earlier. There's a chance that he starts with George and Marcus Morris. Um, but Terrence Mann showed us a lot last year, uh, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's earned uh, uh, he's earned a rotation role, a considerable one, no doubt. He's and surprisingly enough, that playoff hype did not translate to fantasy drafts. He's not getting drafted pretty much at all right now. So he's totally a guy I'm comfortable with taking with your last pick if you could get him there. I mean, upside as a points and threes and steals guy. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of role he has. There's uh, the Clippers actually have a few a decent amount of options to go with 
to sort of plug in the Kawhi usage. But he's a leading contender for sure, and you gotta say he's trending up. Yeah, he's also one of a possible last pick for me in terms of yeah. really, you know, rolling the dice. Uh, this one, this has an uh, this player has an opportunity, but he's kind of again a boring one compared mm-hmm. to other uh, players. But Justin Holiday really had a decent run last season with TJ yeah. Warren out. Maybe he could replicate that, and uh, I guess one of the best categories that he can offer is, are, is steals, right? So do you think he has that ability to trend more up compared to what he did last season? So long as Warren is out, he is trending up relative to what our expectations were heading into this season, which is that he is going to be, Justin Holliday is just going to be more of a bench player, uh, really not all that involved. But if Warren's not starting to start the year, then I think it's fair to say that Justin Holliday moves into that starting lineup. Um, also a guy I wouldn't draft, but a guy I would definitely stream to start the year for those those steals numbers. So I, he's trending up in a certain capacity. Um he does have to worry about the, uh, you know, Chris Duarte is, there, is definitely someone who exists that could take some opportunities for him down the line. So uh, long term, he might be trending down as they try and transition more to the youth that they acquired in the offseason. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And speaking of steals, this one, I really like this player. Oh, uh, me too. <laughs> Matthias Steibel. So, um, I mean... He should be drafted, right, in standard? At least this, if you really wanted to pump up your steals and blocks with all of the puzz with, uh, involving Ben Simmons, I, yeah. I really love him as those uh, flyer picks in the last two rounds. That's exactly, I share the exact sentiment. He's my favorite target at the end of drafts. He's someone I wound up with at the end of the draft earlier for the exact reason that you just said. I mean, if he is not involved in a Ben Simmons deal, He's left behind. You know, everyone's just like, oh, Tyrese Maxey's going to be that guy, right? No, 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 no. They're probably going to bring back a point guard. And it's actually going to be with Tybal that I think uh, really ascend because, they, you know, the, the complications, he's not a great shooter. Ben Simmons isn't a great shooter. Those two, they can't ex- coexist on the floor as frequently as one might like given their defensive upside. But if you have a floor spacer at that point guard spot for Philadelphia, that opens up a slew of opportunities for Tybal to come in. And, you know, we've already seen him just destroy with steals and blocks, like you said. There's a real opportunity for him. It should have been Simmons trade free up minutes that he can be that small forward of the future. Defensive ace can win you a category on his own in steals. I mean, he's one of the better uh, steals and blocks players in the entire NBA. So I like him a lot as a late round, as the last pick flyer. You have nothing to lose by drafting him there and a whole lot to gain, depending on how that trade pans out, should it ever should it ever happen any of these days? Another optimism angle for Taibul that I have in mind is they really want Danny Green to be present and healthy uh, in the playoffs to the point that I would assume that if they get a lot of wins, maybe Danny Green is one of those players they, you know, tone down to the point that it means or it will translate more minutes and more opportunity for Matisse Taibul because, you know, Danny Green has been defending probably the best uh, wing on the opponent, right? So maybe this is the season that uh, that key or that torch will be passed on to Tybal, especially with Simon's out. So that's another thing that really entices me to get Matthias Tybal. Yeah, no, he's exciting. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, a, he's a, you could do way worse than the last bit. Exactly. Wow, that's actually the last 
player that we have it was super solid uh, alan we've been if if you want to check a lot of uh, i mean content about a small forwards and couple of uh forwards that also plays pf this uh, episode is going to be a very solid reference right i mean we yeah. almost did every sf available in the in the we ran, we ran through it, man. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um but uh i just want to like to shout out on one of our uh listeners wherein he was actually asking this specific questions from time and time again so maybe this is the time i would let you answer this time how do you project john wall this season do you uh, still draft him uh top 100 or oh, do you want john, to stay away john wall yeah john wall uh, no, you can't. You can't draft John Wall, man. Like, no, there's no way because there's so many questions about where he could even end up. I mean, like, there's we know he's not playing for Houston. Uh, there's not really a realistic trade out there that makes sense for the Rockets at this current juncture. Like, you know, you can't swap him for Kevin Love out in Cleveland. They don't want that. And then you can't send him to Oklahoma City. They don't want to buy him out of that contract for no reason. Um, like, there's just – there's so – unless they come to an agreement on a buyout which is a pretty large i mean I, they're not incentivized to do so it's a lot of money to leave on the table for for wall i mean look, i'd say there's a higher chance that john wall doesn't play at all this season than he does for uh, another team so i you, i think you just gotta wait and see um i like wall and, and i think that he could still be a productive fantasy player more, more so in points leagues but until we get to a point where we have some sort of clarity on where he could wind up, it's just not, it's too risky to draft him anywhere, I'd say. Yeah, thank you for that. Because yeah. I, I also have the same sentiment. But uh, I was thinking when a rumor came in, uh, you know, about the Rockets really wanting to get Ben Simmons, the, the, the first question that I have is, does Philly want John Wall? <laughs> I, I, do, <laughs> I do believe Houston Rockets should love uh to, to really get Simmons, but would Philly love to get John Wall in return? So I'm sure uh, Philly, would, I'm sure Houston would love to would love to that swap. Um, you know, especially because uh, I think Daryl Morey would hate it. <laughs> so they'd probably, <laughs> yeah, probably they'd probably get a little bit of enjoyment out of that. Um, you know, Houston does make a lot of sense as Wall as a Ben Simmons destination, but I really think that that strained relationship might prevent that from ever happening. And they had an opportunity last year to get Simmons, and they, they said, "Nah, we're good." <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, if, if I could give Simmons for John Wall, I'd do that. Yeah, absolutely, for sure, for sure. So before we, I let you really, you know, shout out again, and then uh, end this specific uh, episode. Uh, one question that I usually ask our guests is, yeah. who is your kind of like breakout player for this season? Hmm. I haven't gotten an opportunity to dig in a ton and find a breakout player. Like we just talked about Tybal. He's someone that I like as a guy who could break out should circumstances, you know, like dramatically change for him uh, and like free up that starting opportunity. So I guess he's someone who would qualify. But to give you a different answer, and I'm, I'm like racking my brain right now trying to think of someone that I, we haven't talked about. I like, um, you know what? I This guy is someone who, Surprised a lot of us last year and has some hype this year, but I like Isaiah Stewart a lot um, as someone who I think could, you know, give, given where you can draft him. And right now I think Yahoo has bumped his draft range to the mid seventies level. 
the numbers that he showed as a starter last year are really, really appealing. I'm very interested to see if he can maintain that. Uh, I think he's got like this. He's not quite Robert Williams on a per game basis, but that's a guy that he's been compared to a lot just with these blocks numbers and high field goal percentage and rebounds. I, I like Isaiah Stewart. I, I liked, I, I'd like to see him continue trending up. I would not break the bank to draft him because you want to maintain some <laughs> fantasy value. But uh, I, I think I'd be, even if, if I could draft him at 75 right now, I'd be pretty into that. I think that he has an opportunity to be a top 50 player, top 40 player in a very best case scenario. Uh, if he, you know, continues to progress the way that he has from his rookie year. Nice, nice. I just, like what you've said, I just hope uh, he still gets some value in terms of rankings. And, yeah. you know, he, I, I hope he won't be the Chris Boucher of this season. And then, uh, <laughs> and for MPJ earlier that we've talked to, I think he is the Shea Gillius Alexander of this season. <laughs> like, mm. Last season, Shea was uh, provided with that treatment. So, yep, I also see that with Isaiah. Uh, Stewart, uh, something that really bugs me is the coach. I, I love oh, Isaiah, well, yes. but in terms yeah. of the coach, um, with them signing Kelly Olinik, there's yeah. also a world we're in. It's similar true. to what happened last season, maybe Kelly Olinik you know, plays the Mason Plumlee minutes. And then Isaiah and he's going to play. Like, yeah. they, Olenek's definitely going to play. He's a floor spacer, and they're going to want, like, that's valuable to have for your, your, your young guards to have a guy that you can play some pick and pop with, right? Like, so I would hope that he gets more minutes at the four and that you continue <laughs> to give minutes at the five, but you're totally right. Dwayne Casey could throw a, a wrench right into this. So that's a very scary. <laughs> pick that I decided to go with. I still like him though. Um but yeah, you gotta be careful where you get where you get him in drafts because there's you never can be safe and certain with the, uh, the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Alan. So this is the time we're in. I really would like to extend our uh, thank you to you in behalf of the whole fantasy basketball PH family. And then also is there anything you want to promote? Anything uh, where would our followers and listeners, uh, you know, get in touch with you and check out your uh, takes in terms of fantasy basketball. Well, uh, uh, Poppy Roy, thank you so much again for having me on. I uh, this is a lot of fun to do. I just like I I feel like I learned more just by going through all of these guys with you. I mean, we hit every forward in the league, and uh, the, the, you're you know you're really good at what you're doing, man. And I you know root for you to keep doing more and keep uh, growing this cha- this show that you've got here. Um, um, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Alan Sirocchi right there. Uh, it's, in terms of what I'm working on these days, I am heading up a lot of this production at the Hoopball YouTube channel. We are doing, uh, you know, we're trying to, we're rolling out content there on a more regular basis to the mock draft. Then we're going to have another one coming up later this week. Uh, right now we're doing these, like I mentioned earlier, we're doing a video breaking down all the top 100, trying to project the top 100 players in the NBA by team. Um, it's just a lot of fun doing stuff over there. So go check out those videos and subscribe to the Hoopball YouTube channel. It's a lot where you can find a lot of my work uh, this offseason. Nice. Are you the ones designing the new videos? Because I saw your DFS videos. Super lit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to get back into more of those too. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of guiding get people in and out of the channel. We're going to rope in really all hoopball creators uh, and, you know, doing more visual versions of their podcasts on there too. Uh, and maybe I'll be hopping on a lot more of them because of that. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's just fun getting to interact with so many different people and, and uh, you know, help them put out their content in different mediums. 
Great, great. Again, thank you so much, Alan. We've learned a lot. And then uh, I, I really hope you we get to uh, see you more here and then learn from you more here in the show as well. And also okay. expect uh, a solid content uh, in the upcoming season because we will be on the same league with Alan. I actually invited Alan to be part of our league. So uh, I'm calling that the Mount Rushmore League for uh, Fantasy Basketball PH. And uh, I'm going to think of something uh, you know cool and crazy about that league. And uh, we'll fun. definitely like check out every move that Alan will do because you know <laughs> he, er, earlier he said that he loved winning, so maybe we could learn something uh, on his moves and in his drafts uh, this coming season. So thank you so much, Alan. Again, this is your fantasy papi, Papi Roy uh, the, from Fantasy Basketball PH. Like, subscribe, follow, share, and comment if you don't agree with our, all our partakes. Let us know. Reach out. Bash us. We want that. We want some smoke. And then we are also available at YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Teacher, and sometimes in Periscope. So, this was another solid episode for Fantasy Basketball, Basketball PH. Have a nice day, guys, and thank you so much. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, bro. Thank you, man. See y'all.